This week, in the parish of bourses and market structure, TPI cap in decent results shock. Huobi is for sale, and could Adina Friedman be returning to an old haunt? My name is Patrick L. Young. Welcome to the Bourse Business Weekly Digest. It's the Exchange Invest Weekly Podcast, episode 157. Good day, ladies and gentlemen. This is a very brief reduction of highlights amongst the key headlines from the week in market structure. All the analysis of the many events and happenings from the past seven days can be found in Exchange Invest's daily subscriber newsletter, the unique guide to the bourse business sent daily to your inbox. More details at exchangeinvest.com. Just a thought to start off for midsummer. With the US dollar in the stratosphere, it's interesting that so far we have yet to see a real drive for mergers and acquisitions from the western side of the Atlantic. Yet, Biden's economic confusion, is it a recession, isn't a recession, well, whatever. It's driven the green back up and up and up, and it entitles a corporate form of exorbitant privilege to those who earn US dollars on their balance sheet. Will we, as a result, see an M&A boom out of the USA towards the UK and Europe? Or is the US worried about the Ukraine situation, already hitting CEE, SEE tourism and business trips hard, even in places far from the conflict? It could even be that a pro-business new UK PM, presuming they choose Liz Trust over the spendthrift Richie Sunak, might be the recipient of more bids come the autumn. Watch this space. It could be exciting, particularly in the Parish of Bourses. Speaking of the Parish of Bourses specifically, interesting to see that newer brokers building up their commodities franchises from China, they are sceptical about the Baltic Exchange earning its motto. When some Chinese brokers are unconvinced by my word is my bond, then all of a sudden, it would appear the SGX-owned London Baltic Exchange has reached a form of contango in the kettle-pot-black methodology with these accusations from China. The Moscow Exchange, they're opening their bond market to non-residents from what they term friendly countries, i.e. the countries that have not sanctioned Russia as a result of their invasion of Ukraine. There's still no news on stock trading access. Derivatives have been enabled. And since Victory in Japan Day, August 15th, non-sanctioned, or at least non-sanctioning, nations against Russia can play in the Moscow bond market. At the same time, the, there is a Russian law firm that's seeking to unfreeze funds tied up with Euroclear, and indeed the Russian central depository is removing fees for the transfer of stock in certain circumstances. Again, all trying to get round the sanctions at the same time as various hedge funds are placing into their side pockets Russian assets. 
Dubai Clear and the Saudi Securities Central Clearing Company, Mukasa, they've signed a memorandum to promote mutual cooperation and share knowledge. At the same time, the Philippine Bourse President, Ramon Monzon, said in a virtual briefing that he expects there could be up to 150 billion pesos, that's $2.7 billion in real money, a record number of IPOs on the Philippine Bourse this year. Also looking optimistic, Victoria Falls VFEX, that can be a magnet for capital, according to the Zimbabwe Stock Exchange CEO Justin Bgoni. Indeed, he said the government could make Victoria Falls a Zimbabwean Hong Kong and transform it into a magnet for capital as the country leverages on capital markets for economic growth, exploiting the US dollar-denominated Victoria Falls exchange. Certainly, there's a phrase to conjure with, a Zimbabwean Hong Kong. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly. We welcome your feedback. You can contact me directly, patrick at derivativesvision.com with any comments. Meanwhile, if you enjoyed this show, we would welcome you giving us a thumbs up. Or if you have time, a positive review will always be welcome wherever you find this podcast. In results news this week, it was a very busy week for results in the parish. All the details were in Exchange Invest Daily. Unfortunately, Hong Kong Exchange, they were somewhat disappointing. But at the same time, when you've got all those C's together, China closed down COVID, it can result in an economic problem or two. And there have certainly been fewer IPOs in recent months, if only because of COVID itself, as well as a general malaise in stock markets per se, both in China and overseas. Interesting fun fact, well, probably not a fun fact if you're a homeowner, the Chinese property market has now been down 11 consecutive months. TPI cap, they surprised with actually good numbers. We saw there and adjusted a bit, up 15%. For once, TPI cap did not disappoint and the stock has now rallied 50% from its lows. Albeit that has to be put in the perspective of the fact that it has still, even on those recent highs, declined something like 75% over the years. Methinks a single swallow just means he's lost touch with his flock and all that malarkey. There's only one daily news source for the business of bourses, Exchange Invest, the exchange of information. Exchange Invest publishes the daily digest of everything in the market structure industry around the world in a user-friendly email briefing format from Monday to Friday. With additional pith by former Exchange CEO and long-standing fintech pioneer Patrick L. Young, yes, that's me, Exchange Invest is the unique one-stop shop for the daily news in markets, market operators and related functions. Exchange Invest is available to subscribers at 200 US dollars per user per year or currency equivalent. You can get more details at exchangeinvest.com or email me patrick at derivativesvision.com. In New York market news this week, trading on Egypt's commodity exchange is going to be starting in Q1 of 2023. And we've got a lot of exciting news on carbon. The Indonesian exchange and the Indonesian commodity derivatives exchange, they're both competing in the hope that they will be appointed the institution to organize carbon trading in Indonesia. That, of course, came against a backdrop of a report, as noted by the AFR, the Australian Financial Review, the fragmented, inefficient and complicated carbon market needs fixing. Large numbers of blobsters are now gathering in sunny places across the planet to try and do the fixing. 
Methinks the bottom-up market approach might actually be better, but we shall see. Anyway, another exciting new carbon market coming soon. Malaysia's Bursa Malaysia, they're going to be launching a voluntary carbon market by the end of the year. And they'll be adopting VERA, the Verified Carbon Standards, to ensure the integrity of the carbon credits. Exchange Invest is the daily must-read by the most influential figures operating the world's best markets. We invite you to join the exclusive group of Bourse bosses and other C-suite executives who make Exchange Invest the exchange of information, their daily business intelligence guide to markets the world over. Exchange Invest is available to subscribers at US$200 per user per year or currency equivalent. You can get more details at exchangeinvest.com or email me patrick at derivativesvision.com. Deals news this week. Interesting news in deals this week. First of all, the Chinese crypto tycoon founder of Huobi, Leon Li, is in talks with investors to sell his majority stake in the Huobi Group at a valuation of up to $3 billion, according to reports by Bloomberg. Elsewhere, another much, much smaller deal. Aberdeen, that's the fund manager named after the city of Aberdeen and headquartered in Edinburgh in Scotland, they've taken a stake in the digital exchange Archax. Blockchain technologies are inevitably going to form a big part of the future of financial markets, Aberdeen Chief Executive Stephen Bird has said. Now, ladies and gentlemen, if you'd asked me last week what was the future of Archax, I would have said insolvency. Having heard that Aberdeen has invested, I would posit that the long-term future of Archax is still insolvency. It has big ambitions, and to be fair, a broad regulatory tableau of UK licences at the core of this wannabe exchange. But there's the rub. Wannabe. Two full years have now passed since Archax was regulated by the FCA, and yet they have failed to launch a single market. That worries me. Who in the modern world can afford to staff 24 months of non-execution? Not even a launched market. We're not talking about a market that doesn't have any listings because it's launched. It still has not launched. The management is sound in many respects, but they are big corporate types. Evidence they have the startup hustle or mojo is just not clear. Moreover, constant rumours of mega-money investments have not eventuated at the required scale to pay the rather high bills, including that prime office in the tower beside the Bank of England where the London Stock Exchange used to have their headquarters pre-Paternoster Square. All in all, I have to say I think the Aberdeen investment sounds more like a bit of a damp squib. Hopefully I am spectacularly wrong, but I think Archax have set themselves on a path for financial failure even before they manage to actually launch. The latter will apparently finally take place this year. I'm not holding my breath. Meanwhile, if you're trying to catch up and understand better the world of digital markets, you need to read my latest book, Victory or Death, Blockchain, Cryptocurrency and the Fintech World. It's published by DV Books and distributed by Ingram Worldwide. While you're waiting for your copy of Victor Death to arrive, while we're on our summer holidays from producing live streams, you can catch all the back episodes. They are available on Facebook, on YouTube, and indeed LinkedIn. If you go to YouTube, for example, search IPO-vid to get all of the output. Hundreds of hours of viewing, suitable for all the family that's interested in greater financial literacy.
In crypto land, well, lots of sad news all round. We're seeing crypto exchanges to the left and the right of us going bankrupt. Nuri GmbH, one of Germany's largest crypto exchanges, filed for insolvency with a Berlin court this week. Econex, they've closed down their crypto exchange. They're going to be focusing on funds and other products. Nonetheless, Binance says it's winning clients thanks to inflation. Although this week, Binance was amongst the crypto exchanges blocked in a clampdown in Uzbekistan, but at the same time, they got approval to operate in a nearby stan, Kazakhstan. Binance are distancing themselves from Wazir X as Indian regulators keep chasing crypto. And indeed, we saw similarly a problem this week where the Peter Thiel-backed crypto exchange Vault saw its assets frozen and some $46 million being seized by the Indian authorities in a money laundering probe. Meanwhile, back to creditor protection. Singapore, their exchange Zipmex has been granted three months of creditor protection as it struggles to avoid a full-on bankruptcy. Product news this week. Interesting to note, actually, that China's IPO market has still been booming, certainly booming relative to the rest of the world anyway, during what has been a challenging time for the Western world. Is Nasdaq going to manage to be resiliently out of its recent bear market as it approaches bull market territory once again in the course of the last week? Nonetheless, there's a stat for you. In the first six months of 2022, the Shanghai and Shenzhen stock exchanges accounted for almost half of the world's IPO proceeds. Much more modest ambitions in Africa. Angola. Finally, they have got their first IPO coming to market. Will it open the privatization floodgates? African Business Magazine was asking. While there's bad news, the ongoing audit spat continues between the USA and China. Five Chinese state-owned companies announced last week they're going to delist from the New York Stock Exchange. In technology news this week, SEBI, they're going to use their fund blocking mechanism to empower investors. Essentially, you're going to be able to much more easily take money from a retail investor's account, block it before they actually complete a trade, and therefore they can bring the entire market under the T plus one settlement regime, leveraging the efficiency in the payment system built by the Reserve Bank of India, the central bank, and thus making near real-time settlements a reality at least in retail trades. Unfortunately, New Zealand exchange NZX had a slight technology glitch this week. The markets kept trading, but investors could not locate company announcements for a few hours. And finally, a little heartening news from ASX and their troubled blockchain projects. We know that they've been having years of problems with digital assets, and indeed there is a semi-permanent, it seems, state of delay We await the end of the hiatus when finally a chest replacement is ready. Nonetheless, the ASX has scored a much-needed modest win for its world's first blockchain settlement scheme, which will, of course, actually not be the world's first blockchain settlement scheme at an established exchange. By the time they have implemented it, they've completed a test pilot with Melbourne-based digital custody provider ZeroCap to show how ASX-listed companies could store and trade all kinds of digital assets via the ASX's infrastructure.
Regulation news this week. Wow, meme stock news. Way back when, you know, man dying meant a soldier was going to be rescued in the battlefield. In financial markets, it now means that uh, the troops of Gary Gensler's SEC will come in and give you a PTSD kicking after whatever the trauma was that killed your business in the first place. That, I imagine, is how they must feel over at Melvin Capital Management, the people who lost the most from shorting GameStop, including ultimately their entire fund. They're being investigated by the SEC just to pile oil on troubled waters. Meanwhile, Elizabeth Warren seeking to pour a little more oil on some various waters, whether they're troubled or not. She's pushing for the SEC to crack down further on insider stock sales. And the US courts have authorised service of a John Doe summons seeking the identities of US taxpayers who have used cryptocurrency. Deputy Assistant Attorney General David A. Hubbard of the Justice Department's Tax Division noted the information sought by the summons approved today will help to ensure that cryptocurrency owners are following the tax laws. Taxpayers who transact with cryptocurrency should understand that income and gains from cryptocurrency transactions are taxable. Career news this week. The National Stock Exchange, they held an extraordinary general meeting they have passed a resolution resoundingly. So Ashish Charhan is their new MD and CEO. Meanwhile, a bit of shareholder upheaval, or at least angst, a lawsuit has been filed against the Cantor chief Howard Lutnick, saying his $50 million bonus package was undeserved. Of course, parishioners will recall that we recovered what appeared a rather outsized, relative to other CEOs, $12 million in annual remuneration in our Magnificent Seven chart. You can find that via Exchange Invest or Patrick Young on Medium and LinkedIn. And now we discover there's a $50 million bonus package to boot. Congratulations to Georgi Parasishvili. He's been appointed the new chairman of the Toshkent Republic Stock Exchange. He's also been the head of the Georgian Stock Exchange from 2014 to the present and chairman of the supervisory board of the Georgian Securities Depository at the same time. However, the big news in Career Pass this week is a rumour. Who could succeed David Rubenstein as CEO of the Carlyle Group? Bloomberg profiled the runners and riders that they deem to be on the shortlist, and parishioners will be fascinated to note that one amongst their number is Adina Friedman, CEO of Nasdaq. Of course, as a former CFO, Adina would be ideally placed to run Carlisle, while her excellent stewardship of NASDAQ would be in her favour. But then again right now, which offers the most opportunities? Hashtag interesting times, at least for those who can perceive the possibilities of the nexus of digital markets, legacy bourses, data technology et al., which clearly Adina has been proving from her hot seat at NASDAQ. Now, amidst all this recessionary talk, there are some very, very contradictory currents. Yes, property is wobbling in places. I mentioned earlier the fact that Chinese property has been down 11 months in a row. And there are a lot of supply chain snafus out there. But one set of results this quarter looked remarkable to me. And actually, it was not alone amongst luxury product companies reporting in recent weeks. Ferrari, the purveyors of fine automobiles from Modena, Italy, reported such a strong order book that they promptly hiked prices without, it seems, dislodging a single advance booking. There's something happening here which doesn't, in my humble opinion, spell 
widespread or long-lasting deep recession. And then again, of course, wholesale commodity prices are no longer stratospheric either, although, of course, the energy impact is more than acute for all the poor so folks, particularly in, say, Europe, amongst other nations, where Gaia lust, in their case, was coupled with Russian gas to create a potential economic catastrophe which may yet lead to a spot of blood on the streets this winter. On a separate note, formerly QE-obsessed Western central bankers are now modelling interest rate policy in these inflationary times based on Buzz Lightyear's maxim to infinity and beyond. However, there's an outlier in the East, and that presages tough times in at least the world's most populous country. China, this week, lowered their benchmark rates. Yes, lowered their benchmark interest rates by 10 basis points. And on that mysterious and magnificent note, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Patrick L. Young, creator of Exchanges, publisher of the Daily Bourse Business and Newsletter and Information Service, Exchange Invest. I wish you all a great week in blockchain, life and markets. This show relates to the business of bourses. It is not to be construed as investment advice, nor are we making any investment recommendations. Please consult an investment advisor before you make any investments, and for goodness sake, do your due diligence and do not make investments without complying with the regulations in your home state. Exchange Invest cannot be held responsible for any investment decisions made as a result of our program, which is for entertainment purposes only. The material herein is copyright Patrick L. Young at the date of publication, while our music and sound effects are sourced from copyright-free sources. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly, the exchange of information.